imagine a world in which PTSD no longer robs for millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell people the dark stuff that you've went through. That stigmatism of you can't talk to people it is so true. I just didn't feel like I wanted to open up to anybody or tell them what I was going through. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's an injury that can be healed quickly so that those who suffer get back to thriving in their families, communities, and mission. And I said, I yeah. don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to live this trauma again. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And I said, yeah. what? The hospital I went to and the experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I didn't know that I can get rid of PTSD. Each week, we tell a skeptical world what is possible with stories of those who have successfully cured their trauma. I wanted so desperately to be a good mother and get my life back, so I found Life After PTSD, and I started driving and listen. I called my boyfriend and said, hello, I've got something you need to listen to. This is Life After PTSD. Well, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Life After PTSD. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, hosting as always, and on the horn with me right now, live from the, the great province of Ontario, Alan Canerva. How's it going, bud? Hey, really well. I always love your intro. I'm, I'm always interested in what you're going to say about Canada when we tee these up. I have nothing but love for Canada. I'm not going to crack an easy Canada joke on you. I would never do that to you. Okay, I've gotten that out of my system, man. That's all. Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons, brother. Well, I was just hoping if I was nice to you, maybe I'd get some Timmy's in the mail. But it, it's, uh, it's, it, you know, like kind of like the check is always in the mail with you. It's like the Tim Hortons is always in the mail with you, you know? So uh, I'm just, I'm not holding out hope. <laughs> okay. Hey, who do you got with you, man? Hey, I'm sitting in my office with a good friend, Luke Baker. What is up, Luke? How's it going? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to Life After PTSD. I'm super excited about your story um, because it's because you're a baseball man. I, I just I love that already. There's something we, we have common ground here. You know, I was a I was a 350 lifetime hitter, 20 year career in the ML, in the MLB. And uh, if you believe that, I'll tell you another one. <laughs> what you guys? Why is me Alan too, laughing? Man, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay. I mean, it might have been on video games, but what are you gonna do? You know, you got to do what you can. So, Alan, why don't you introduce the story today? Because I think this is gonna be a uh, hey another face of PTSD. Can you imagine that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it, man. I, I, every story is important. You know that, Jeff. But I think um, as we as we go down the road, stories like Luke's get even more important because they speak to a, no, a number of aspects that we're dealing with in the trauma field. First is, you know, most people think about trauma and they think about military, police, firefighters, those people. But trauma happens in so many different aspects of life. Uh, people are sexually abused. There's birth trauma. There's accident traumas. And and really, you know, and thanks to you, we're really trying to present the, the full scope of what happens. And Luke's story is unique. He's not a military member or police, but he suffered severe post-traumatic stress. And then the next part of the story is, you know, Luke was treated with, uh, in, our, in our clinic, he was my client. And uh, we worked using NLP and timeline therapy and overcame his trauma uh, successfully. And uh, he's here today, two years later. And uh, the guy's on fire, as they, as they say in sports, the man's on fire. So, you know, I think the story is really, really important. Love it. Love it. Well, so, Luke, here's what we traditionally do with these stories. We kind of just talk about where it all began. Uh, where did the trauma start? And then, you know, most importantly, we figure out, well, how did you get over it and where are you now? But if you could start us off at the beginning, man, what's your story? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so going back to uh, 2014, uh, it was the summer, late summer, I was uh, 
To make a long story short, uh, I was involved in a, uh, I guess it would be a domestic um, assault. Um, I was uh, at uh, my wife's ex-husband's place. We were dropping our oldest uh, daughter, so my stepdaughter off. Uh, There was an exchange of words and and some things happened. And uh, from what I was told, because I don't really remember the the incident, uh, was that I went inside to kind of see what was happening because it it was starting to look like it was getting a little rough. So uh, from what I was told, long story short, um, I was sucker punched and uh, in the back of the head and followed up with a a bunch of punches and um, had my head stomped on um a number of times and, oh my goodness uh, yeah so i uh you know for me I, I don't remember a thing there was a blackout period of about 10 hours uh, obviously taken to the hospital um you know they, they took all the cat scans and all that and uh turned out to be okay you know um you know big picture kind of physical injuries you know got very lucky um there wasn't any bleeding in the brain or anything like that. I did suffer a broken jaw, fractured skull, uh, you know, little abrasions. I had a tooth go through the lip, little things like that. But, uh, you know, overall, it was um, I was fortunate. My 100-pound wife at the time uh, was uh, the one that ended up pulling off uh, her ex-husband. And so it was it, when I was told the story, you know, with my uh, oldest daughter being there, my youngest daughter was three months old. She was in the car. Um, you know, it was uh, something we weren't expecting, obviously. I don't think anybody. And uh, you know, it was one of those moments that kind of just flipped our lives around uh, at that point. Mm. Um, you know, we were just a, a you know relatively new family, um, brand new kiddo, and uh, uh, you know just moved uh, back into our, our hometown. So, um, you know, when it came down to the injuries physically, uh, you know, uh, I overcame those, uh, and it didn't take too long. You know, I, as we kind of talked about, I was an athlete, so mm-hmm. used to dealing with some physical injuries and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, with with this one, that's kind of where we're at. And, um, so that was the the physical side of things. Um, I guess. You know, moving forward, we um, we had a bit of a battle with uh, you know just trying to get things uh, set properly. We 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 had a lot of things that we had to go through, um, and because of the fact that there was so much going on, uh, my physical injuries seemed to heal up. I seemed to be okay, um, but we never ever dealt with the trauma. We never dealt with the emotional, mental side of things, mm. and uh, that was the kind of thing that lingered on. We had a lot of things to deal with with the police, uh, with courts. It lasted well over two years. Uh, there was a lot of things that kind of just went under the radar, um, and we had to try to make things right. And uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a bit of a mess for a couple of years, mm. uh, and. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it went the way it went and it put a lot of pressure on, you know, my wife and I at the time. Um, we had a you know rough road uh, having to deal with police and, and I didn't realize over time that I was slowly kind of getting into a bit of a depression. I started pulling back from uh, things that I would normally do, um, people that I would normally associate with and hang around with, my good friends, I, I, pretty much everybody. I, I started secluding and didn't even realize it at the time so much. It was uh, real interesting, I guess. But um, yeah, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, it, Physical injuries healed, but the mental ones seemed to get deeper uh, without help. Uh, it was one of those things as well where, you know, there wasn't a lot of help out there. Um, I didn't really search. I was on a waiting list. I, I did this um, form and filled it out for a brain injury place, and, uh, and they took well over a year to get back to me. Um, it's just like it's almost like not a priority. So there's not a lot of things set in place, and, and because of that, I, I think I went down a road that uh, – 
uh, you know, uh, I went down and, and I think a lot of people do go down because there's not a lot put in place to help people with, uh, with head injuries and, uh, and rather not even the head injury so much as the traumatic uh, experience that happened from the, the injuries. Um, so that's kind of where I was. Um, and again, that was about a two year process before I met Alan. So what, yeah. what was that? Pro- was that process like a, a process of, of finding a therapist, finding, you know, th- looking for other treatments? I mean, what was the, what were you doing during those, uh, those years there in terms of trying to, trying to get better? Yeah. So for myself, I was doing, trying to do my best on my own. Um, you know, working with my family, um, it, and really, you know, not really noticing the the problem. Uh, but, uh, you know, after time, after recognizing that there were issues, there were absolutely definitely issues, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the way that uh, I was uh, starting to perceive uh, my life, um, uh, the way I would re- react, um, just I wasn't the same guy. Uh, you know, I had the people mm-hmm. closest to me saying that, you know, you're not the same guy. And it started to mess with my head as well, thinking, what the hell? Like, I feel like the same guy, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not. And uh, what was so- what were you doing before the accident, before the assault? Uh, before the assault, uh, so I would have taken a year off baseball. I just because uh, I was uh, together with my my wife at the time, and uh, I was I was enjoying life, uh, you know, starting a family, and um, moved by moved to Ottawa to be with them, and then we ended up moving back to Cambridge, which is about a six hour drive. Um, you were doing some high performance back. coaching. Yeah, I was coaching. I was doing things I loved. I've been training athletes for a number of years um, uh, in strength and conditioning, that sort of thing. I, you know, love the mental side of the game. And um, so I would do my best to implement uh, that sort of thing into our training. But uh, yeah, it was interesting too, because uh, I was into this sort of field and then, you know, this injury happened and derailed things uh, so much. that. And when you met me, what were you doing? Yeah. So uh, when I met Alan, I was uh, getting by. Uh, I'd uh, just recently separated with my wife at the time. And uh, we... And that's one of the, you and I know this, Jeff, that's one of the unfortunate costs, right? Mm-hmm, of untreated mm-hmm. trauma. Yes, that, yes. That, that the, and and uh, in fairness, his wife was traumatized. She witnessed it. Yeah. And then they had to go through the courts and the police and dealing with all these things. She she was traumatized and, and potentially your oldest daughter as well who uh, witnessed it. Yeah. And she was how old at the time? She would have been about five at the yeah, time. So, so she watched the whole thing. Yeah, which was, it was Somewhere down the road. what I understand. Yeah, somewhere down the road. And yeah, so when I met you, what were you doing? Yeah, so when I met Alan, it was uh, uh, two years later, and uh, I was uh, working as a a recycling garbage man, uh, not doing something that I enjoyed or loved, but paying the bills and, you know, getting by, uh, trying to get my life back on track at that point, you know, realizing where things had gotten, because uh, once... For myself, uh, once once we were separated, my wife and I at the time, I, I recognized how bad things had got. And I, in my mind at the time, thought it was fixable. We're fixing it. We're working on it. But it was uh, just something I was replaying in my head over and over again, a story I was telling myself and not really seeing the true picture. Um, so, yeah, uh, when I saw Alan, I realized uh, before I saw Alan, we got separated, started to start to look into things. What's up? I, I wanted to figure out what was going on with my head and, uh, you know, what was happening and why this, these things were happening. And so I, I started searching people out. Uh, I started, you know, I went on the internet, started to search people in the area, uh, reached out to 10, 15 different people, got some responses back, didn't get some from some others, started chatting with a, maybe a handful of people that, that started to, you know, sound like they were connecting with me. And, uh, when I ended up chatting with Alan, he just, we had a good vibe right away, felt good about, uh, the conversation, you know, uh, he was able to kind of just, 
um, he was he was really good about things and asked a, a few kind of questions that that really kind of prompted me to want to come and visit him. Um, and from there, yeah, um, I mean, the story is what the story is. We work together, and uh, I'm in a, a heck of a lot better place to, these days. Hey, so I, there's a couple things that just inspired some questions in my mind. You said, you know, by the time that you reached out to Alan, you were working as a recycling garbage man. Were you doing something beforehand? I mean, had you lo- like lost a job as part of this as well or had to had to kind of leave something or what was what was the story on that? Yeah, well, I was kind of jumping from job to job. I was trying to get on the fire department and uh, gaining experience in different areas. I uh, I was basically kind of trying to add to my resume. Um, one of the reasons why I took the job as the uh, garbage truck driver was so that I could utilize my DZ license and get some experience driving a vehicle yeah, so yeah. I could get on the, the department. But yeah, I jumped around from a few different jobs. Um, again, got away from the things that I enjoyed and loved. Um, uh, even if it was just to, you know, to, to be around some kind of sport or to be coaching, uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, there was a few jobs that I took, didn't keep them very long. Um, there was a lot of just kind of, it was just kind of, uh, it was a very messy, bouncy time where just things never seemed to, I could never get on a path. Um, my thoughts, my world was just kind of very sporadic and all over the place. Sure. And you gotta, you gotta know, Jeff, this is a disciplined guy, right? Um, high performance athlete in his own career, great batting average, uh, sets his mind to work and, and then can't function, can't, can't keep it together. Can't, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and how frustrating that is when he, he knows what's possible, what he's capable of mm. sets a goal and then can't accomplish them. Can't, can't get the things to come together the way he wants to. Mm. And, you know, I remember really clearly, um, you, you and I've talked about this, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff has, has been, on the road with me when we do live demos of people. Okay. So, and I call it the baseball hat syndrome. So when I first meet people with trauma guys, they're normally wearing a baseball cap. It's down over their eyes, yep. sweat, sweat, pants. They won't, they won't look you in the eye. Right. That's right. And uh, that's always my test that, that the trauma has gone is when they, when they are clean shaven and they've dropped the baseball hat. And it was about four sessions in that, uh, Luke dropped the baseball hat. He came <laughs> in. He was clean shaven, yeah. and I, I laughed my head off when I, I haven't seen Luke for about uh, probably eight or ten months. Mm-hmm. We've talked, but I haven't seen you face to face. And he walked in today, and and, and he's clean shaven, and, he, and his hair's uh, a, a little longer. He's he's in his cool mode in in playoff season. That's right. But uh, yeah, I'll turn. Well, Alan, Alan, that's also because he's managing the team versus he used to be the ball player. Remember, so part of me's wondering yeah, yeah. if this is this trauma or is this just him being a ball player. All right, no, that's, <laughs> no, you, you, you've seen it with Marines. I you've have. Seen it with infantry guys. I have. Well, so I want, I, actually, it's years. funny you bring that up because I wanted you to describe, please describe for me the day that you see that he walks into your center for the first time. All right, tell me what that day looked like. I know you get a picture in your mind of what that looks like. So, what is it? Yeah, I, I didn't have the office we have now. We had a small, small office on a second story downstairs. And I met, I met Luke at night on a summer evening. I, I believe it was uh, early August. I know we finished our work in September, so it was probably August, July or August. It was a Saturday around uh, 6 or 7 p.m. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And Luke comes in and, uh, you know, he's a young athletic guy, but emotionally he's broken. Yeah. He, when I, as soon as we start talking, of course, he, he has a full ab reaction. Um, and, uh, and I just feel the pain and I feel frustrated and angry. Had the system actually, if the system provided emotional healing for people when they're assaulted within the first three to six months, 
I'm not saying that their marriage would be together, but the probability of it still being together is way higher, mm. right? And, and and if the system actually recognized that all the parties to that incident, uh, you know, Luke's wife at the time, she needed help too, right? To, yeah. to get yeah. through what she went through. And she went through a whole series of events down that road. And, and so meeting a guy like Luke, I remember it with with great clarity, Jeff, and I also remember the feelings of frustration and anger at the system that we, that we still battle with today. And, and you know, you and I have talked so many times with people like Dan from 220 about the number of people that we lose in society from yep. one way to the other. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know, Luke could probably answer the question better. But, you know, if you if you took the trajectory he was on when I met him, had he not been able to find somebody a year later, where might he have been? Right. Mm-hmm. And so. So yeah, um, and and like I said, you know, Luke and I, Luke and I did a protocol. It's the protocol we use at our office here called Pace. Um, it, it's five two-hour sessions with a one-hour follow-up a month later, and another one-hour follow-up, and that's all the work we did. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Alan, it. Alan, after the break, I want you to talk a little bit more in depth about that process, and then we're going to, of course, talk about where Luke is now. But um, Luke, I have one more question for you right now, and that's this. Uh, when you, you, you know, you started to withdraw and you started to kind of slip into that depression as you described it, uh, at that time, what did you know about the world of PTSD or PTSD in general? Like what was your attitude and feeling towards even that term? You know, it's, uh, uh I didn't know much. My dad was a police officer and, uh, he's always been very good about, uh, like when I was a kid, he used to tell us his, his arrest stories. So, you know, my bedtime stories are his arrest stories. I was a bit of a, uh, <laughs> A frightened child in some ways, but uh, <laughs> so maybe I had PSD since day one. I don't know. Um, but no, honestly, it's just one of those things. You know, I grew up in that household where um, he, he might he might have talked a little bit about it, but like you get over it. You know, you work past it. You work through it. You push through it. You know, you you get on with your day and you just keep moving. You try not to think about it. And, you know, on the outside, you don't know what somebody's going through. Um, you know, it's the inside that, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to tell. So for myself, uh, I didn't know a lot about PTSD um, and I didn't really I, I basically was always of the the mind frame where, you know, what if I work hard and I focus and I give it my all, I'll be able to get through it. And uh, I was always a very reliant on myself in a lot of ways. Mm. So uh, which I think was a, a recipe for uh, disaster in this case, because I needed help and I was very afraid to admit it and I wanted to fix it on my own. It was one of those things I just couldn't do. Um, so very fortunate that uh, things happened the way they did. Uh, you know, all things considered, you know, I you know, would have loved to have had help a little earlier. Uh, that would have been fantastic. But, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm in a hell of a lot better place these days. And uh, I, I thank my lucky stars for the way that things worked out and for, you know, having a, a chance to meet Alan and going through this process. I've learned so much about myself and become so better off because of it. We're going to take a break here in a second, but man, just <laughs> about to tee you up on some rapid fire questions too. But Alan, um, be ready to talk about that treatment because I think that's one of the most exciting things that we get to do on the show is, is just tell people what is possible. And there's so many people that, that hear Luke's story and think that it, it, you know, it's, it's a it's a minor, it's a miracle that is only available to a select few and that the process is, you know, years and years and years and years. And uh, Alan, you and I both know uh, that's not the case. So if you're listening out there, stay tuned because we're going to tell you what is possible for you. And we thank you as always for listening to life after PTSD. 
life after PTSD listeners. We're glad that you love other stories of healing, but what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. Schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470. It's that easy. So here we are back having a great conversation with Alan and with Luke and just talking about another face of PTSD. And uh, Alan, I, I, what, do we, what do we give as a label for this? I mean, this is, I mean, is, do we call this domestic violence? I mean, what, what would you say, you know, how would you label this one? Well, it's a physical assault, a physical assault that, you know, create a severe, I would call it severe uh, physical damage, broken jaw, fractured skull yeah. and a period yeah. of unconsciousness that, yeah. that is a serious assault yeah, i yeah. still don't remember the 10 hours either no yeah. no and you wake you wake up you know you you're you're picking up uh, you're dropping off your child and you wake up in a hospital yeah and you, you have no memory of how you got there the one thing i didn't mention earlier too and i and i guess this would have scared the people around me a lot was um uh, so i had retrograde amnesia every minute or so my brain would refresh like a, a computer so i would ask the same set of questions uh, over and over and over. And I guess I did that for a multi, uh, multiple hours. Um, so it was one of those things too, again, where, yeah, um, just, uh, pretty, it was more serious than I, you know, it, it got very lucky, but, uh, you know, uh, it was pretty serious. So yeah. Oh my when, goodness. When I, when I hear Luke tell this story, I, I'm, I'm reminded of my 24 year old son who had a, a crash skiing and he had a severe traumatic brain injury. And, uh, for the first 12 days he was in post, uh, post-traumatic amnesia, he could not create a memory. So you'd walk in, he just like you, he'd ask you some questions, you'd walk out of the room, you walk back in, he'd ask you the same questions. He didn't even remember you were there. Mm-hmm. And every day the neurologist would say, well, you know, you know, this may be as good as it gets. It's up to Andrew now. And so when yeah. I hear Luke tell that story, I just, you know, I, I, I start to feel overwhelmed with what he must have gone through at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, as I'm hearing you say that we need to literally put it on our short list that post-traumatic amnesia needs to be an episode. We need to talk about that at some point and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. it should be a crazy topic. Luke, one of the, um, one of the reasons we love covering the many faces of PTSD and the reason that I asked for sort of that label on this one is because, you know, for a lot of people and myself included, uh, there was a time where, you know, our, our understanding of, of what trauma and PTSD was, was, was very limited. In fact, I would have said years ago that, well, oh, that's a military thing and it can't be cured. And, and I think that reflects the attitude of, of a lot of folks out there. And then the more that you meet folks and you hear their stories and everything, it just broadens the perspective. And so, you know, the message that we really want to convey here is that this is not a a problem that is just limited to a small segment of the population. There are, I mean, Alan, what, you know, we know, we know the official numbers out there on how many have, have suffered trauma or how many are traumatized. You and I don't buy those numbers by any stretch of the imagination, of course, feel like they're way too low. Um, but even the numbers as they are still speak of a, a very large segment of folks that are that are dealing with this. And I think the message that we like to send to them is, you know, um, n- not that we're on a witch hunt to label somebody by any stretch, you know, but w- we want them to know this affects your neighbor. It affects someone in your family. This is this is all around you. And more importantly, something can be done about it. You know, it's it's uh, it's probably not worth doing a show on if we had no message of hope. But 
we do. And you are that message of hope, Luke. Your story is one of the other, you know, is, is, is yet another version of what we tell literally every single week. You know, someone who has, has struggled, someone who has suffered, and someone who is suffering no longer. So um, I want to thank you already for, for being on this thing, but let's continue the conversation. And Alan, talk to me. You did the PACE protocol with him. You did five sessions, about two hours each. What does that look like? Uh, talk to me about what that treatment process was and as, as a, uh, for you as, as kind of coaching him through that, what are your goals from start to finish? What are your goals for a client like Luke? With every client, we use a psychological profiling tool from Stanford, which we do pre and post uh, intervention. And that gives us a, a tool from, you know, a, a prestige university, prestige school that it clearly identifies that we've created a change for the person and the change that they want. We also do behavioral evidence. Um, how, how will you be behaving when your problem is no longer a problem that's different than you're behaving now? And, and so we get a success criteria from the client. What, what does success mean for you? When we're finished this 12-hour process, how will you know you're successful? And, and it has to be behavioral because we have to measure it. It can't be kinesthetic. It can't be, I'll be happy because I can't measure that. It has to be behavioral. When you're happy, how will you be behaving? So we use this psychological tool and we use a, a, a measurable behavioral assessment that they're behaving different. And, and then we use the uh, our sensory acuity to watch the client tell their story without having uh, abnormal reactions to their story. So they can tell their story with great clarity. You know, you just heard Luke tell his story. When I met him, he could not do that, right? And you've witnessed that, Jeff, on so many demos that Absolutely. people try and tell their stories. So so in our protocol, we, we uh, evaluate three ways like that. And it's really sequencing. The first session is a, a two-hour assessment. And part of the assessment is to allow the client to gain awareness at how pervasive their problem is. It's also, as a, as a practitioner, it allows me to understand, in a broader context, the life experience of the client. And we come out of that first session um, with really, really, really clear understanding of the problem, where we're about to work, and what the client wants as a, as a desired outcome. Session number two is, is a session clearing, I call it emotional baggage. We use timeline therapy in it. The, the, the literature on trauma says that almost every adult with trauma has some sort of adverse childhood event, an ACE. So clearing the, uh, the accumulation of negative emotions using timeline therapy is powerful. And then the third session, we get into the trauma. We get into all the adverse childhood events, we clear those. And, and interestingly enough, uh, session four and session five, if you read Dr. Kessler's work or even Viktor Frankl's work, you know, when you, t when you clear the past history of all the negativity, when you clear the trauma, the client's narrative has changed. Their story is no longer their story. Luke's smiling at me, nodding his head. You know, and if we ended, you know, I, I could call after session three, I could call it a success. Luke no longer had trauma. He was in a pretty good place. But during the three-year period between the event and when I met him, he had quit living in a happy, positive way. He, he was no longer seeing the, the positivity in life, if you will. He wasn't seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling the wonder around him. And Luke's an upbeat guy, Jeff, just like Kyle and just like Craig and all the other people we've met along the way. So in step four, our protocol reconnects people to the positivity in their world. 
And step five is now that they have a new narrative, now that they have new behaviors, now that they're no longer encumbered by the trauma, now we set new goals and, and direction in their life. And then at the, at the one, you know, four weeks later at the check-in, we tweak anything that's not working and just affirm the things that are working and we task the client. And then four weeks later, we check in again and then do the final evaluations. And uh, again, you know, the, the psychological profile, you know, I, I still have Luke's and a massive shift. And then, uh, you know, he was behaving different, radically different. He, he joined the, uh, he, was, he was already an early wake up guy, but he changed his morning routine and uh, took action, massive action. I mean, he, he took uh, the 5 a.m. club and I think he made it the 4 a.m. club mm -hmm. and he got busy. Um, he actually came and did an NLP course after that so he could understand what he'd been through. And, and he's also pace trained so he can help others. And then he, then he got hired uh, as this manager for the semi-pro baseball team. And I remember meeting with him a number of times on how he would use NLP with working with that team covertly and overtly. <laughs> so you talk about a guy who, who goes from uh, doing the best he can for him and his family to a guy who, who now has a direction. And, you know, I think we will pass the torch back over to, to Luke and let him explain what's happening for him. Other than being in the playoffs in baseball right now, you know, that's just not... <laughs> That's a part of his gig. <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say there ain't no way that a guy that's still withdrawing and and pulling away from people is ma a managing a baseball team, but certainly not being on a podcast. So we obviously know already something's uh, changed here. Luke, talk to me, man. Let's bring this thing home. Tell me what uh, what life is like right now for you. Uh, so right now life is good, man. Uh, I I get to do what I love. Uh, so I coach. Uh, people in the game I love and uh, yeah, I go up there every day and uh, enjoy the challenges that uh, that life throws at me whether it's on the ball field or you know with uh, anything that's happening um, it, the outlook is totally different I just uh, you know uh, as Alan said you know before coming in and meeting him uh, I didn't really notice much around me uh, these days you know I notice when the sky's in bright and blue and the, the air is nice and fresh and I'm very much more in the moment uh, I do uh, I do have a fantastic routines in place which helps keep me on track and this is all stuff that uh, uh, Alan and I had kind of set goals for uh, right after uh, in our fifth session or so um, and uh, yeah things are good man we're, we're in the playoffs we're uh, we're in the second round and semifinals so for the team we're doing real well um, you know again there's it's NLP has been great for for myself and uh, it'd be good for anybody to be honest with you uh, I, I use it uh, every day whether consciously or unconsciously uh, I try to consciously be using it as much as possible uh, and when I do use it it's just the the benefits are amazing and it just it opens my eyes to the possibilities and to the opportunities that are always in front of me. They've always been there. It's one of those things that, you know, am I paying attention to it? Do I see it? And these days it's, it's there. I love it. I, I love every day. I love waking up. I love being around my daughters. Uh, How are your daughters? They're awesome. They're great. Yeah. They're my, my youngest is five now. My oldest is 10 and uh, yeah, my youngest one is learning to skate. She's going to play some ring at this year. So, so many good things on, on the horizon and <clears throat> in the last, uh, you know, even, I guess it's been two years years from uh, when we worked together uh, you know just so much growth in that time too uh, with them with myself us as a family and uh, yeah it's uh, it's been good I mean 
you know. I think you mentioned also that you're you're completing your trainer to become a financial planner. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, yeah, there's I've been just diving into my weaknesses in areas that I know are really important. Um, so whereas before I would have avoided this stuff like the plague, which is what I did. Uh, you know, I'm starting to take things head on, and uh, man, it, it just feels so good because now I don't feel gripped by you know uh, the weakness, the insecurity, the 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 stuff that was holding me back before, and you know, uh, you know, after the incident, uh, you know, that's what started to eat me up. It was all my insecurities that started getting heavier, stronger. They started weighing down on me more, and uh, you know, uh, just the the amount of second guessing I used to do versus now, I feel a heck of a lot more sure of myself. The decisions I make are a lot quicker. I stand by them a lot uh, stronger. So, uh, it's just, man, I, I honestly, it's it's night and day. It's it's, and I'm so fortunate. Uh, again. You know, I, I, and Alan said this uh, once before, um, and I totally, you know, agree and believe it, um, you know, and I, I feel like things happen for a reason. Not that I, you know, felt like this happened and it should have happened and, you know, it was a, a good thing to happen. But, you know, I, I don't even know if I would have been on this plane uh, had things not happened. I may not have been in such a good place, you know, uh, maybe a... Uh, PTSD is so interesting. There's so many faces, and I think that's kind of what we've been uh, touching a little bit on, and what you guys are uh, doing with your show, and trying to get a, you know, hit little points here and there, and see how it affects people differently. But as the the greater whole, you know, there's so many things that, that can affect uh, a person and give them PTSD. And um, you know, having found Alan, I, I feel like I'm almost impenetrable towards it. If it was to happen again, I, I just I got a better understanding and it's the meaning behind things that are happening. It's the meaning behind, you know, uh, things that I, I put a good meaning behind things, Uh, whether it's a positive end or not, I learned from it and I can, I can utilize it and and make it a better situation. May not be great, but there's definitely always a silver lining and there's something that we can do. And how can now I help and add value to somebody else, um, and give back because I have this knowledge, because I have this, um, you know, this tool belt around me. I, I think of even 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 your players, right? You know, when a when an athlete gets injured, mm. and uh, you know they lose their dreams and that, some of them just implode. Sure, absolutely. And, and other others, as you say, process it and make sense of it, but some of them implode. Mm. Their identities vested in their athletic talent, and so you have a skill set that you know, and where you're focused right now, you can help those athletes get back together and, and get back to doing what they love a lot quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Alan, I feel like I'm talking to the next prime minister. I mean, my gosh, you know, Luke, what are you not going to take on in your life, man? This is crazy. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm probing into my weakness. So I'm going to go get certified as a financial planner. I think tomorrow I'll get into politics. The day after that, I'll, uh, I'll try my, try my hand at brain surgery, man. I love it. This, and, and I'll tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, of course, but Alan, this is sure. what you and I love, right? The most about just seeing people and their full potential unlocked. Because this was this was in Luke all along, wasn't it? Right, this was yes. available to him all along, and now look at him. Yeah, I mean, he he said it absolutely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I love I love his his uh, sentiment. Did this have to happen? No, but it did happen. So what are we going to make of it? Yep. How are we going to use this this learning and move forward? Yes, yes. And you know, yeah, it's a powerful statement. And and I and I thought the listeners, you know, because. Stats are beautiful, right? We've got lots of stats about the NLP protocol getting us 90% or greater effectiveness, and that's all good. But when we and we've had lots of personal stories shortly after the intervention, you know, that people feel so good they're sleeping in that. I think there's always a lingering thought in the back of people's heads, you know, well, how long will it last? Mm. And uh, you know, this is our experience right here. This is our experience. 
Um, and probably, you know, a year, or not a year from now, five years from now, people will be doing longitudinal studies, tracking people like Luke. Right now, that data doesn't exist. But, you know, in our clientele here in the center, they're just like Luke. Yeah. Well, let's do this, uh, gents. If we do one more thing here, Luke, what would you say to the person that's out there that's listening to this? Their story's not exactly your story, but it's close and they're going, hmm, there's a, maybe there's a possibility here for me. What do you say to that person who's maybe been on the fence before about, about healing? You have to, man. It's, it's so important to get, to get help, to get healing, to move past. It's probably one of the toughest things to do in the moment. Um, you know, for myself, it was, uh, it, again, I guess kind of fortunately I was put in a position where, um, everything I thought was secure fell out from under me. And, uh, you know, I went hunting, uh, but I'm so grateful that I had, because if I hadn't, again, I don't know where I would be. Um, and God, you know, my biggest fears and thoughts are, you know, wh what's that going to do to my kids? How's that going to, you know, what kind of legacy am I going to leave for my kids? And, you know, I started thinking about the other people in my life versus myself. And I think that was also a nice shift as well. Um, because, you know, you, you, your life is important, but how are you affecting other people? And, you know, some people, I know for myself, I, I didn't, I didn't put importance on me. And it's so important to take care of your health, you know, eat right, do all the things that, you know, make you feel good. Um, but your mental health is one of those things that gets so passed by. And it's just, it's the most important. It's the most important because you if your mind ate right, you can eat all the right foods and everything else in the world. You're, you're still going to be sick. You're going to still have stress. Uh, and, and it's, oh man, if, if I could t tell people, just please go do it for yourself. If not for yourself, please do it for the people that care so much about you. Um, mm. yeah, so many people suffered around me and sucks to think about uh, at that time. Mm. But I feel so good about it now. Um, and I'm very happy and fortunate. So please, if you are going through something, uh, for everybody's sake, you will be so much better off and you can change. If you change one person's life around you, man, you've done a major, you've added some major contribution and value to somebody's life. And I guarantee that that's going to have a ripple effect down the road and it's going to help so many others. Mm. Well, that's, that's testimony right there from a real legit client, not a paid actor. And I love it. You can't argue with that. So cool. Um, Luke, if there's one more thing, how is it? Maybe someone could track you on the, on the baseball front. How do they follow your team and track you guys in the, in the playoffs right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we obviously were on uh, social media. Um, IBL Panthers. Uh, oh gosh, I don't have it handy off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, for myself, you can you can check uh, Bakes Three, and uh, I have some stuff that links to uh, to our team. But we're the Kitchener Panthers of the uh, Inner County Baseball League. It's the IBL. We've been around for 101 years uh, this year. So. Um, uh, been around for test, uh, stood the test of time. So yeah, they can check us out. Uh, just Google IBL Kitchener Panthers. Uh, my name will be on there somewhere. It's attached. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it's easy to follow us that way. Um, Love it. Yeah. Game three Friday night. What's going to happen? Game three Friday night. You can't night. jinx it, but you know, give uh, us. Uh, yeah. If, if we just if we keep the game plan and we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to have success. So uh, beautiful. Our goal is to get through this in four. Barry's uh, the top team. They've been there for. This is their. Could be potentially their sixth if we have anything to say about it. It'll, it'll be uh, their their last year of being the champion. So um, 
we're uh, we, we're hungry. We want this. So yeah, it, it's it's an exciting series and fun. So uh, yeah, if you want to follow us, uh, just check out uh, IBL and Kitchener Panthers, and you'll be able to see where we're at. It's awesome. Well, Luke, I'm going to give you just some quick unsolicited managing advice. Here it is. Ready? All right. All so right. you can take this with a grain of salt or whatever. Let's let's end this shift nonsense and get back to the days of stolen bases and suicide oh. squeezes and all that. And you know, are you with me on that, man? Are you a purist You're or what's speaking it? my language, uh, man? See, I, that's I, Alan, I knew I, I liked him. I'm a hard-nosed player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, if I see one more shift, I'm going to turn my TV off, man. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. Uh, it's fun. It's way more fun that way. It's exciting baseball. That's it what is. I dig. It, it brings the life into the stands and the crowd. People get fired up. That's right. Long ball's all well and good. It'll happen. But yeah, man, stolen bases, hit and runs, bunts. Yep. Make it move. Make it fast. Make it move. That's awesome. Good deal. Well, Alan, of course, they find you at inspiredoutcomes.ca. Anything else you want to say in closing? It's an unfortunate moment in time that we have such a huge problem to deal with. And yet it's an amazing moment in time. Uh, people like Luke, the research that's appearing in, in the marketplace, supporting the NLP protocol as being the protocol that overcomes trauma. It's, it's an exciting time. And so if anybody that's listening has had an emotional trauma, has been in an abusive relationship, physically traumatized, as Luke said, please, please get help, man. Pay attention, get help. And, and it's quick, it's painless, and uh, get back on your feet fast. That's a good word. Well, to the rest of you out there listening, the only thing we ever ask from you on this show is that you share this episode. You know, if this is something that's encouraged you, um, you know somebody that needs to hear it. So stick it out there on your social media or whatever channels that you have and get it in front of your sphere and help us to bring the message of healing and hope out there to the world. You can follow us on social media on all channels at Life After PTSD Media with the exception of Twitter, which is Heal Your PTSD. And we drop episodes every single week. So be sure to subscribe and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Life After PTSD. PTSD. We're so grateful that you listened to the show today. Now imagine a new normal you get to decide with all its possibilities once you are free of PTSD, because that is what is possible. You're here, which means you're ready, but listening alone will not heal you or those you know who are suffering. Join us on the mission to eradicate PTSD by reaching out to lifeafterptsd.org or in Canada, lifeafterptsd.ca, or by sharing this message of hope with someone you know.